If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Calling all real estate investors, especially short-term rental investors, if you are looking to invest your money in owning a short-term rental, but you don't know where to buy, I have a hot tip for you. Kentucky and the Carolinas are a great place. And even with the rising popularity of short-term rentals, these markets continue to thrive. In fact, I'm looking to buy one in these areas as we speak, and I'm going to use Savvy Realty to help me with that transaction. Savvy Realty is an STR-specific real estate brokerage. Not only do they know the best places to buy in the areas that I already mentioned, but their hosts and co-hosts themselves of successful short-term rental properties. They know what it takes to turn a simple property into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. Whether you want to flip a house, rent your own home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty and their agents can help you figure out what type of STR investment is right for you. Tyler Kuhn is the founder of Savvy Realty, and he and his team will consider everything from the overall look to the age of the home, the distance to transit hubs, and other major factors that you may not have considered. So if you want to make sure the return on your dollar is maximized as much as possible, then follow the link in the show notes to book your next one-on-one discovery call with Savvy Realty. Hey, Fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value-packed membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month, and you get access to me, my podcast guests, you get to be a part of our amazing private community, you get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course, and maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Welcome, welcome. It's me, Kyle Stanley, here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. And uh, you know what? Ryan Bakey makes talking about taxes sexy. Like this was really a fun conversation and something that I think a lot of people in the tax world, CPAs, bookkeepers, that I've always found that it's not very easily understandable to talk about taxes. You know, you ask the question of like, okay, if I go buy this house, how much will I get in depreciation? You get the kind of like, hee-haw, like whatever, I don't really know, but I'm going to give you some vague response. And, and Ryan just gave some really actual numbers that we can put our hands on, we can feel it, we can see it, we can touch it. And for that reason, it really helped me to even comprehend more of this tax strategy and the three top tax strategies, especially in short-term rentals and owning real estate. So let's get to it right now here on the Fearless Investor Podcast with Ryan Bakey. Hey, what's up, guys? We are live here in the Six Figure Formula. And if you are listening to this when we release it out on our podcast and YouTube channel, uh, then I welcome you in because we are going to be talking about you know the the sexy topic of taxes. But seriously, 
it might feel like, Hey, no, it's not a strategy of like how to go get more Airbnbs or how to grow your portfolio. But I'm telling you like the number one way that you can start to keep more of your money is by not sending it to uncle Sam. Right. And that's some of the things that Ryan's going to be talking about today. So we got Ryan Backey here with learn like a CPA excited to have you on, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me. I actually had that realization last week on a podcast. I did that. The the quickest way to make your next 5K in real estate is actually to save 5K by not having to send it to Uncle Sam. I love it. So you actually have some short-term rentals too. So I love that you're coming from a position of not just doing short-term rentals from a CPA and tax standpoint, but you actually uh, are operating them too. And you've got some some cool properties from what you were telling me, but what's that one story, crazy story that you want to share with us before we get started here today? It's not too crazy, but so one of my properties is an Airbnb on Lake Erie. And I have a lot of fishermen that uh, go to the property during during different seasons. I have different type of guests. So I'll have fishermen, bachelor, bachelorette parties, and then I'll have small family gatherings. Well, I have a contract with the local fish cleaning company so that when, when fishermen catch fish, they don't come back to my property to clean them in like the house or the backyard, et cetera. The fish are cleaned at the house. Well, I had this party that they decided that they wanted to violate that and clean their own fish in the house, in my own, in my Airbnb. Oh gosh. Went all against my rules. And come to find out my cleaner, like came in there. She's like, oh yeah, they clean fish here. You know, this, that, and the other, the house reeks of fish. I had a bachelorette party scheduled the next day. Oh no. <laughs> my house. So, you know, what's crazy. Kyle is like, I immediately called the party. I, I got on the phone with them. I'm like, Hey, look guys, I just want to let you know that, you know, the people before you were ignorant. They cleaned a bunch of fish at my house. It's going to reek. And you know, I, I ended up, I forget exactly what I ended up giving them. I think I bought, I think I covered their drinking tab for the entire weekend or something like that. <laughs> but something as simple as that, you know, when they entered the house, they weren't like shocked and awed of the fish right. smell. They were prepared for it. And so I was able to like, and they gave me a five-star review. There you go. I was able to salvage that like booking and that because I was being proactive with communicating with my guests about, hey, this is what's going on. It's like out of my control now, but I want to make it right. So, you know, they still stayed at the house, even though it reeked of fish and I still got to get a five star review. So. Yeah, man, you can you can eliminate so many bad reviews just by over communicating with your guests. So very good lesson there. Well, Ryan, you know, you're a pretty young dude. I, I met you at the STR Wealth Conference and the way that you carry yourself, I I would have thought you were closer to my age, but you know, you're, you're in your what early mid twenties, right around there. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And, and you had a really powerful talk about taxes at the uh, SCR wealth conference. And I'm sure a lot of people have started to turn to you as a Airbnb expert in this field, but what, what kind of led you into this field? Did you envision yourself being in, you know, the, of course, being a CPA and and helping out a lot of different types of people, but it seems like you're really starting to zero in on Airbnb hosts as, as kind of your main clientele. Is that right? Yeah. When I first started with my accounting and finance degree, I had the envision of a normal accountant or CPA that I was going to go uh, work at a big firm and scale up and eventually become a partner one day and make a lot of money. Shortly after I started, I, I worked at Deloitte uh, Consulting for about two years. And I kind of saw what people in front of me were doing and how the lives that they were living. And I just didn't want any part of that. I was helping people who are already rich and wealthy become even more rich and wealthy. And so I decided that I wanted to divert from that and actually help the everyday person. Yeah. You know, not the not the everyday person, but the person in their family that's going to change their family tree, which is you and me. And it's a lot of listeners that are tuning in today. It only takes one person in your family to say enough's enough. We're, we're changing this. 
to instill the action, the education and, you know, mentorship onto other people. So mm -hmm. I wanted to help that person. That's awesome. And was it that you targeted, Hey, I think that's the Airbnb community or did it just kind of naturally progress from there? The, when I started learning the tax code and I got a lot interested in what type of vehicles people who don't pay any taxes in were invested in all roads led back to rental real estate, whether that's long-term rental, commercial or short-term rentals. Um, in fact, the former president of the United States, his tax returns just got released last week. I'm still combing through them a little bit to see, but you'll see a lot of similarities on there of what he was doing in, in regards to rental real estate. And so it is by far the most tax efficient vehicle to be invested in out of anything that there is. It, if there's a code that favors like rich and wealthy people more so than the, the real estate tax code, I don't know it. So. Yeah. Well, treat me like I'm hearing this for the first time, right? There's going to be some people out there that are like, I already know that real estate is great for taxes, but they may not know exactly like how to put their hands on that or, or how to quantify that. But let's talk to the person right now that is like, wow, I, I didn't realize how many advantages there were to real estate. Why, why do you think real estate over everything else is getting the most tax breaks out there? Yeah, the first one comes with understanding the idea between what's called active income, which is like income that you show up for your W-2, your day job for, and then what's called passive income, typically through rental real estate. And so the main difference right there is how it's taxed. So your active income is subject to Social Security and Medicare tax, right? which we all know that that Social Security system is probably not going to uh, exist when we all go to need it. But any income that you make in rental real estate is not subject to that tax. So immediately, any money that you make in real estate, you're automatically getting a 7% pay increase because you're not having to pay that, that Social Security tax. I call it a working man or woman tax because that's exactly what it is. It's just a, a tax on wage earners. That's awesome. So, I mean, just even that makes it so clear. I, I hear all the time from people, Ryan, like, oh, yeah, real estate's great for tax benefits. But what you just said there, you give yourself a 7% pay increase. That's cool. And that's, I can put my hands on that. I can feel that I can touch that. What, what are other ways that like when someone is coming to you and you're, I'm assuming you're helping them with strategizing, you know, how they're going to be able to reduce their taxes. What are some of these things specifically Airbnb related? Why is Airbnb so powerful for the tax strategy? So the reason why Airbnbs, in my opinion, are, are a lot more powerful to getting you towards that financial freedom goal of, you know, whether it's your husband or wife, and one of you is looking to retire from your job and do real estate or whatever it is. The reason number one is is the cash flow that you can expect to make from them compared to long term rentals. Your typical, you know, long term rental. Even looking at my property on a short term rental, I'm making five x the amount of money that it would make as a long term rental, and that if I was to rent it out long term, mm -hmm. right? But for Airbnbs, it's the idea that you're able to shield a lot of the income from taxation through tax strategy. So one of the things we talk about a lot is being able to accelerate the depreciation on your property. But to take it a step back is you get the tax benefits of a property, no matter if you put 10% down or 100% down mm. because of leverage. So, you know, if you all holds true, you put 10% down versus 20% down, your return is going to be a lot higher with 10% down because you're getting the same tax benefits, whether or not you put 10 or 20% down. And that's something I've talked about in my podcast before of this idea of using leverage with real estate. You know, do you buy one $100,000 house or do you buy five $100,000 house with leverage, right? And typically nine times out of 10, the leverage is going to come out ahead, but that's for everybody's personal situation. So wait, Ryan, Airbnb, you're telling me that Dave Ramsey isn't, isn't right when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes uh, to taxes? 
that's the thing, right? It's like, I'm actually a Dave Ramsey disciple. So when I, when I grew up learning personal finance, I was listening to Dave Ramsey. I actually taught his financial peace class at my church when I was cool. younger. And I think it's a stepping stone, right? So I think if you're somebody that's in really heavy debt, consumer debt, not good with money, I think Dave Ramsey's a good like stepping stone to get to your point. But then it's like, once you're out of consumer debt and you have that entrepreneur and business mindset, I think that's when you switch to like some variation of Robert Kiyosaki. I don't yeah. really like him. Cause sometimes he'll like say that you should go buy silver or gold or metal or whatever, right. but he's right in his thinking of like, what are the streams of income that you should ask? Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but so you're talking about leverage. Yeah. And then with short-term rentals, it's just way more advantageous because, well, now you have all this cash flow that you wouldn't have had if they were long-term rentals. And you're able to shield it from taxation via uh, accelerated appreciation or cost segregation studies. And so, you know, it's not often that we'll see somebody who's making sixty or seventy thousand dollars on an Airbnb pay nothing in taxes on that Airbnb. If I'm in a let's say a thirty percent tax bracket and I have seventy thousand dollars of income that I make at a day job, that's all getting taxed at thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Versus that seventy thousand I just made in that rental property, I'm able to zero that liability out. So I just saved myself twenty one grand, right? And if I meet certain requirements, if I have any sort of loss that's left over, I'm actually able to take it to offset my W-2 or my business income. So break that down specifically for me. You just said I can essentially take that, what was it, 30% of 70,000 is $21,000. Is that what I was hearing you say there? That's how much you're able to save. Yeah. Yeah. So how is it that I'm saving? I make $70,000 at a W-2. I have to pay at 30%, like you said, I make 70,000 as a cash flow on my Airbnb. You say I can save that. Quantify for that for me. Show, show me how I'm doing that. Yeah. So when you buy a rental property, you get assigned a value to your purchase price. And based on that purchase price, you're able to depreciate the value of the building over time. So we know that, and it's kind of weird because we know that real estate is supposed to appreciate value over time. But the, the way that IRS and Congress wrote the tax code is the value of your building is actually losing value over time. And so you get assigned that as what's called depreciation. And I talk about like in all my content and in my upcoming training that depreciation is this non-cash expense that we don't have to come out of our pockets for. It just, it shows up on our tax return, mm-hmm. right? So it's this non-cash expense. So that's why a lot of people who invest in real estate don't end up having to pay taxes on the real estate earnings, mm-hmm. income or gains because they have this depreciation. Okay. So use like a real house. I want to hear the numbers. I bought, let's say I put 10% down $30,000 and I bought a $300,000 house. Yeah. And a $300,000 house, you know, depreciated over, let's say 27 and a half years, you would get about $10,000 of depreciation per year. So I have a similar example with a long-term rental where on that particular property, I'm uh, netting, let's say 15 grand a year in, in cash. Well, 15 grand a year in cash and I have $10,000 of depreciation to go against it. I only have to pay taxes on five. 5,000. 15. That's, that's good. So how would I know that before I go buy a house? You, you said $10,000 off the top of your head for the $300,000 home. What does that come out to? That's like using my calculator here. That's about uh, 3%. Is that what it usually is per year? That's a good like back to the napkin math, but it's good that you bring up that point because this is something that I tell all my clients and students and people that I mentor is that each house is different. Each market's different. So we talk a lot about that. Let's just compare Smoky Mountains to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Mm -hmm. So you could have a million dollar purchase price in Smoky Mountains and 90% of that million dollars is going to be allocated towards the building. 
However, that same million dollars in Gulf Shores, it could very well be that only 50% of that is allocated towards the building and 50% is allocated towards the land. Mm. So when you buy a property, it, let's say I buy a million dollar property, it gets broken up between building and land, and you're only able to depreciate the building portion. So, you know, I could have a basically a million dollar property in the Smokies versus a million dollar property in Gulf Shores, way two different tax benefits, even though it's the same purchase price. That's interesting. Okay. And is is that based on the state? Is there a way for me to go find out that information before I go look at a state for yep. my investment? Yeah. So, I mean, I know some typically some like ones that, you know, I don't even really have to argue with anybody about is going to be those ocean markets, right? Like that border some water. So your Gulf Shores, Destin, 30A, basically anything that borders water in Florida, California, New York, any state like that's going to have a high land value, which means you're not going to have as much tax benefits from that property mm. that you would if you were to buy in, let's say, a you know a Midwestern market, a Smokies, a Ohio, or a, you know Illinois, Wisconsin. They have a really good building the land ratio. Now it's good that you bring that up because one of the things that I tell my clients is that you want to do this before you buy a property. Number one, to know how much your property tax bill is going to be reassessed. You know, especially for people who are buying, I would say two things. People who are buying properties in vacation destination areas historically, like you know, your Florida, your Myrtle Beach, Carolina, you know, that property tax bill is going to go up. But also your obviously your insurance is going to go up a lot. And you're you're going to want to make sure that you know how much those are going to go up by. Like yeah. if you've owned a property in Florida, try getting insurance on it lately. It's really hard to do that and it's not crossing an arm and leg. But same thing with your property tax bill. So you're able to go online, look at the property, see the history of how it's been reassessed. What you'll do then is if I'm going to buy a property on 123 Main Street, I'm going to go pull comps from recent sales within the last year and see how high their property tax bill went up. If all the properties around me went up by, let's say, 30%, well, I know that I can expect about a 30% increase in my property tax bill. So by doing that exercise, not only are you able to figure out what the building and land ratio is, right? how much you can expect for depreciation, but also you're going to plug that new property tax bill into your pro forma when you're going to underwrite your deal. Mm, that's good. Big opportunity here to get Mount for three months for free. Have you even checked out Mount yet? If you haven't, you need to. Extra streams of revenue, unique amenities for your guests, and absolutely no risk. Think about it this way, offering bikes, golf carts, kayaks, paddle boards, and so much more to your guests with none of the liability while getting paid for those extra amenities. And Mount takes care of everything, payments, insurance, GPS tracking, and there's no cost to get started. You can start making as much as $300 or more per door per month. If you sign up with Mount right now, you're going to get a free consultation and that free three months, absolutely no risk. It's worth it. Go check it out. Just go to the show notes to get your free three months started. There's a lot of things here to consider. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the big things, right? We can simplify evaluating an Airbnb and how it might perform, but so much that has to be taken into what state you're in, what the tax is looking like, what trends are looking like. You know, I kind of just jumped into all of this, but the yeah. whole topic here is the top three secrets to reduce your taxes. So um, have we have we talked about all three of those already? <laughs> no, no, no. We're just on the first okay. one still. <laughs> okay, cool. So the first one is what buying real estate. Yeah, buying real estate and understanding you know what you're getting into as far as how it's treated. And you know, I always tell my investors too, like we shouldn't be buying properties just based on the tax benefits, right? I'm going to save you know thirty grand if I buy this property, but we want to make sure that we're buying investments that are really good decisions and that are, are going to cash flow. 
Because otherwise, you'll, you'll, you'll have this portfolio of underperforming properties just because you wanted to save money on taxes. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Good stuff, man. Um, I see we have some questions from Tani and Kyle. For those of you that are posting your questions, stay with us to the end here as we're live on the Six Figure Formula Facebook group, and we'll get to those questions. For those of you that are listening to the recording on this on YouTube or uh, podcast, we do leave an exclusive time at the end of our podcast for all of our Six Figure Formula members to ask questions to our podcast guests. So they get the exclusive rights to do that. If you want to go check out how to become a part of our Six Figure Formula, it's super easy. FearlessKyle.com forward slash 6FF. You can go get started. Okay. So what's what's secret number two, Ryan? So secret number two is once you've implemented this strategy to reduce your taxable income, it opens up the doors for a lot of other things that you're able to do. So let me just give you a high level, right? Let's say I'm, I'm Ryan and I make 200 grand at my W-2 job and I'm in a super high tax bracket. Well, then I go and I buy a property, let's say in you know, Pigeon Forge, Gallagher, wherever, and I'm able to drop my income from 200 grand down to 100 grand because of the depreciation from the rental property. Mm-hmm. Well, I might have just went from a 32% tax bracket down to a 12% tax bracket or a 22% tax bracket. And because I'm in a lower tax bracket now, I'm able to do other creative strategies that year that are just going to help me save more money over time. So I'm able to go from a high 30% bracket down to a, maybe a 12 or a 22% tax bracket. And what I'm able to do then is what we do for a lot of clients is we look into what are called Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a retirement account. And so I talk a lot about, you know, but you have to understand what a traditional versus a Roth retirement account is to un- really understand this. But long story short, if you have a traditional account, that means that you pay taxes when you pull it out. When you have a Roth account, that means that you don't pay taxes when you pull the money out. It all grows tax-free. And so we want to have as much money in Roth tax buckets as we possibly can. The problem with a lot of people who are high earners is that there's never a year where they're in a low tax bracket. You know, you might, you know, if you're a lot of people who that I deal with are healthcare professionals, tech people, uh, lawyers, I even have other CPAs as clients, professional football players, like they're going to be in high tax brackets and they're never going to be in a low tax bracket. But in certain years where they're buying a lot of real estate, they could be in a low tax bracket. And oftentimes most of my clients are. And so we're able to implement other strategies. One of them, again, being the Roth conversion. And I have way more detailed podcasts on this topics. So if people really want to dive into that, you can go to Learn Like a CPA Show on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever podcasts are played and look into this. But once you've done the, the legwork of buying the property, managing it, doing the cost segregation study, you're able to open yourself up to save more money in different avenues. And this is just an example of one that we use. You know, how much money are you able to save by doing this? You know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over time. If I have $100,000 in a retirement account and it's traditional, you know, let's say it grows to 500K. When I pull it out at 500K, I have to pay my tax rate on 500K. If I have 100K that I'm able to convert to Roth because I lowered my income, now when I go to pull that 500K out, I pay nothing in taxes. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Is one of the other strategies in that infinite banking? Yeah, so I've just touched the surface with infinite banking, to be honest. Um, yeah. Me personally, like uh, I've looked into dumping a considerably amount of money into a uh, life insurance policy. But when I was presented like the break even of, hey, it would take you 12 years to, of investing into it before you'd be able to pull the money out. I just, I thought there was better avenues for my money. But the football player that I was talking about, they use a combination of um, what's called real estate professional status, infinite banking. And they do some more advanced strategies that, uh, let's just say, only clients uh, get to 
understand. Real estate, you say real estate professional status? Yeah. Break that down for a second. So real estate professional status is a little bit different than what we're talking about, but it's going to be for somebody who's um, full-time in real estate. So, you know, a realtor, a broker, a wholesaler, a flipper, they really have the golden goose egg of the tax code because they can almost buy any property as long as they self-manage it. They're going to be able to use those losses to offset their income. And so on a low end level, you know, I might have a client that operates a real estate agent, a real estate agent, you know, maybe making 150, 200 grand a year, buys rental properties and is able to offset his income. And then on a higher end, like I have a professional, like a former professional NFL quarterback. Now he's not playing anymore, but he, he's an anchor, you know, like a news uh, person on one of the whatever. Nice. His spouse qualifies as a real estate professional. Oh, cool. So because she's a real estate professional, because she's an agent and she buys all the properties and manages them, they're able to offset his high W-2 salary from football. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you said, we we really have just touched the surface on a lot of these other strategies. So guys, go check out the podcast, learn like a CPA. You said it's on all the podcast platforms pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. It's cool. Uh, It's it's a lot, man. I know. Yeah. No, there's a reason you have to go to school for all this, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, drum roll, please. What is, what is uh, secret number three? Secret number three is plan your exit, plan Mm -hmm. your exit. You know, before you're, you know, when you're buying a property and some of the deals that I'm underwriting now where our bigger syndication deals, where it's, hey, we're going to refinance after three years and then we're probably looking to sell after five. That's typically how a syndication will go. You want to plan your exit and have it be very um, efficient. So for example, like I'm doing two syndications right now. Well, the worst thing that could happen from a tax perspective is to have both of those syndications sell in the same year because I'm just stacking income on top of income. And now I'm in the super high tax bracket and I have to pay taxes on all of it. Wow. You really, before you go to even buy a property, you want to see like, what is this exit plan? Is this something where, hey, we're going to fix it up, get it stabilized and then look to sell it in the future? You know, a lot of people aren't thinking about that when they go into buying a property, but it can mean all the difference from a tax perspective as far as when you buy an asset, what is that going to do? Is that, is that a property where it's like a lifestyle asset and you're eventually going to move into it one day? Well, there's a different tax strategy for that than if it's an asset where it's, hey, we're just going to get in here, force some appreciation, pull some money out of it, and then you know keep it as a cash flowing asset or selling it. There's so many things that you can do when you go to exit a property tax efficiently that if you're not thinking about it before you even go into it, you're not going to be able to do it. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, there's so much more we can go into, but there is one thing that I want to ask about. We've used this term cost segregation a few times. I feel like that's one of the most important things to understand in short-term rentals. So break down for us what cost segregation is and what the benefit is, especially when it comes to Airbnb. Yeah. So historically, you know, let's say I bought a $450,000 property and we're going to say that $390,000 is assigned to the building and the other $60,000 is assigned to the land. I'm normally able to take that $390,000 building and depreciate it over 39 years. So normally without doing anything else, I would get $10,000 of depreciation against my income. So let's say my rental property made me $50,000. Well, I'd have $10,000 of depreciation and now I would only have to pay taxes on 40. Sure. What cost segregation will do is it'll take that 39 year value and actually reclassify the 39 years into different asset buckets. So for most single family homes, multifamily homes, you're going to have five year life property, which is going to be 
you know, cabinets, millwork, desks, furniture. I'm like looking into my kitchen. I'm like, well, <laughs> be there, you know, it's going to take that 390,000. It's going to say, Hey, 50,000 of this is actually five-year property. So, you know, furniture, desks, millwork, cabinets, et cetera. Right. And then it's going to say, okay, maybe 40,000 of that 390,000 are actually 15 year land improvements. Okay. So that's like a, you know, a driveway, a patio, a, a fence, a pool. Uh, that's another thing that I teach people in my training as well as my clients is that if you take a bird's eye view of a property, the more things that are fixed to the land, the better, because any sort of land improvement can be immediately expensed when the property goes live. And so it's taking things away from that $390,000 value and assigning them to five and 15 year life property and being able to immediately expense those assets when the property goes live instead of having to depreciate them over 39 years. So in that same example where I'm making 50 grand and I have $10,000 in depreciation, well, I might be able to get, you know, $70,000 in depreciation now instead of 10 because of that breakdown. And so instead of having to pay taxes on 50, you know, now I actually have a lot, a $20,000 loss. Yeah. yeah, that's such a valuable thing to understand right there. And, you know, I think the biggest lesson here is, Ryan, let's let's stay in in our lane. Let's be really good at what we're good at and let's hire people like you to do the things that we're not good at because I don't want to go become a CPA. I don't want to learn the tax code. I just want to know that hey, I've I've got a deal. What's it going to give me in terms of tax breaks? I'm going to call up Ryan. So, if someone wants to hire you or or get some help from you, how can they take those next steps? I know you've got some consultation, you've also got some freebies. Yeah, there's oh, there's plenty of ways to get in contact with me now. So Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Learn Like a CPA. I still respond to all my DMs too. So if you have a quick question, shoot it over to me. Facebook group got 4,500 people in there. Tax strategies for real estate investors is what it's called. I also do a monthly masterclass out of there. So uh, last week I deep dived into how to get ready for tax time, and every every month I'll be doing one weekly masterclass where people who are part of the Facebook group can join. As far as working one on one. If you go to learnlikeacpa.com, I have information about our consultation services and how you can work with us one-on-one. -on -one. I do have other CPAs at my firm as well. And then for people who are not ready to dive in one-on-one -on -one just yet, but still want really sound tax advice and planning that they could maybe take to their CPA or tax preparer, I am coming out with a training, should be launching mid middle of February. You should be able to sit through it within one day. It'll tell you everything you need to know about your tax strategy. And then I will also open up a group for anybody who goes through the training to also ask additional questions. So with this training coming out, is that going to be something that they can find on, on your website or where will they find that when it comes out? It'll probably be blasted through my email list as well as all my social media campaigns and through my Facebook group. Okay, cool. So go follow Ryan, learn like a CPA on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, where else did you say? Twitter's, uh, I don't really Twitter, do much okay, through yeah. Twitter, but yeah, I'm in my Facebook group though. That's probably where I'm the most active. And so you'll be able to ask questions through there. And I really appreciate people asking questions because if you're asking a question, it's probably something that somebody else has too. So ask as many questions as you want in the Facebook group and uh, either me or somebody from my team will uh, respond. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for helping our audience to conquer the world Yo. of taxes in short-term rentals today. And we're going to keep you here for our six-figure formula group to continue to ask some questions. Thanks so much, Ryan. Absolutely. All right. So go check out all this stuff. The easiest place to go to learnlikeacpa.com and you can get Ryan to let you know what his fees are and, and when that webinar, the trainings come out, join his groups, follow him on Instagram to learn like a CPA. And that's going to be the best way to continue to get his 
information, his content. He does great content as well. So really a good person to follow online. That's going to do it today for the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. We will see you next time. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called The Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.